through the book of James today. If you have your Bibles, why don't you jump over there to James chapter 5. I told you we're nearing the end of James. And we've been in this book for several months now, since the beginning of fall. And we're in James 5, and we're going to look at one verse only today. One verse only, and that's on purpose. But we are getting close to the end. We hope to finish this uh, at least by the end of February. But uh, God's blessed this series. I hope he has for you as well. But before we get to the text, we're going to be in James 5.12, and we're going to call our lesson Handle with Care. But before we get there, I know you guys like quizzes, right? Often you guys ask me for more quizzes. Give us more quizzes. So today, I have a quiz for you, but I'm going to start off by asking you this question. Did you ever break something valuable? Did you ever break something valuable? Think about that question. Um, what's the first thing we do when we get a smartphone? What's the first thing we do? Activate it. Activate it. Go, go along with what I'm saying. What is it? Put a screensaver on it or a case, right? Now, I have a question. Has anyone really smashed up their phone before? Anyone really cracked the screen beyond repair? You ever drop it? You dropped a rock on it? Ever drop it in water or the toilet? Anything awkward like that? No? Because they're pretty good with your phones. Well, I have a quiz today, and the quiz is how to handle things with care, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a chance to answer back if you want, and then I have a few options for these. But how to, how to handle things with care is the quiz today. Number one, we just said this, smartphones. What do you do with smartphones if you want to protect it? We said buy a screen protector or a case. What else would you do? Not use a smartphone? Use a dumb phone? Use a BlackBerry? That These things are like tanks. You drop that on your toe, your toe is going to be broken. Another answer to that? Was there another answer? What do you do with a smartphone? Oh, oh, there you go. To hold it with on the back? Good idea. Okay, so we're doing well. How do you handle a smartphone with cares? You do, all, you do some of those things. Here's another one. How do you not smash up your car while driving? You've ever been in an accident, right? It's a little scary to do that. Well, number one, I, I said drive defensively. That's what they tell you in driver's ed is drive defensively. Act like people are coming at you. To hurt you. <laughs> I'm not sure what drive defensively means, but act like people are trying to hit you. Uh, number two, don't use your cell phone, right? That's, that's a good idea if you don't want to smash up your car. Or here's another one, don't drive in Pennsylvania where the drivers are crazy. And they're probably crazy other states too, but I live in Pennsylvania and our drivers are nuts. So there's three, three ways to not smash up your car. Number three, how to, and I, I've done this before, so this is why it's on here, how to not accidentally fire your BB gun. How to not accidentally shoot your BB gun. Um, what would you say to that one? Use a safety. Right? There's safety is on all guns, even BB guns. Use a safety. Number two, don't be a moron like I was. That's a good option, right? How about this one? Don't aim it at your brother. Don't aim it at your brother is another good idea if you don't want to fire your BB gun accidentally. Well, I did that, so that's why I'm bringing it up. How not to destroy your furniture. Let's get some feedback on that. If you didn't want your furniture destroyed, what would you do? Put a cover on it. Does anyone still do that? Cover their furniture with plastic or whatever? <laughs> no, that's kind of old. Uh, how about this one? Keep your shoes off it or your children off it. Good luck with that, but keep your shoes and your children off your furniture. Um, what's that? Keep your dog off. Keep your dog and your pets off it. That's another good idea. Uh, how about this? You just start with junky furniture and therefore it doesn't matter. You just buy really junky furniture and therefore it's already ruined. Uh, we're moving along here. Number five, how to not let your TV get smacked by a child and their toy. 
Because that's happened before. How would you do that? How would you care for your TV? Do you have an answer? Yell at them. Yeah. <laughs> Yell at your children. Don't throw anything at the TV. I've done that. It, it doesn't work, but I've done it. it it's, it's a good idea. Hang it high on the walls. The first thing I thought of, we've actually done that, and that also doesn't work. Uh, I don't have any children. No, I'm just teasing. That doesn't work for us. Um, and this is the one I came up with. Nothing. It's impossible. It doesn't matter where you hang it or what you put on it or how many times you tell your children not to. Something's going to hit that TV. It just happens. It's like a magnet on that thing. Number six, how to keep your house from getting broken into. What would you say to that one? If you want to care for your home and not let it get broken into, what would you do? Anyone, shout it out. Electrify the doors. What is it? Electrify the doors. Is this home alone? <laughs> Electrify. <laughs> Electrify. I would have never thought of that one. How about just simple locks? Locks. Lock your door or uh, get a guard dog. Get a guard dog. Got dogs scare people away typically. What's that? An alarm. An alarm system. Very good idea. Here's another one I thought of is don't have anything valuable. No one will want it. Goes along with the junky furniture. Uh, number seven, how to keep your coffee from spilling onto your laptop, which I've also done. What would you say to that one? If you want to keep your coffee from spilling on your laptop, what would you do? Keep it away. Keep it away. Don't put it next to it. That's brilliant. That's ingenious. How about use a lid? My coffee cup today has a lid, so you can do something like that. Here's another one. If you don't want to keep, if you want to keep coffee from spilling on your laptop, drink tea. And coffee will not spill on your lap. <laughs> these are a little silly. Don't take these too serious. Number eight, how to keep from getting scammed. If you want to care for your pocketbook and your money, how to keep from getting scammed. Let's get some answers in the back, Luke. How would you keep from getting scammed? You don't want to get scammed. What do you do? Abby, any answers? I stumped the audience. Grace, anything? Just don't fall for it. Be smarter than them. Or don't be gullible. Don't answer the phone. Don't, don't answer the phone. <laughs> Everyone's a scammer. Just don't answer the phone. You're, you're kind of going along with my quiz here. I said don't use the internet. Or don't use the internet. Don't use it at all. And you won't get scammed. Here's one that's very specific. is Don't answer emails from fake Pastor Todd. Did you know he's out there? Fake Pastor Todd is out there. My, my dad and my deacons have been, have been attempted to be scammed by a Fake Pastor Todd, he's out there. He's trying to get gift cards, so don't do it. Don't fall for it. What's it say when an email? You get, I'm in a prayer session. Yeah, I'm in a prayer session or busy. Can you go get me gift cards right now? And the one time I was right in my office right next to you. I'm looking at you. I'm talking to you. Like, I wrote that to the, wrote that to the guy. <laughs> so there's, a re, there's ways not to get scammed. Number nine, how to not get sunburnt on your head in the summer. That's very specific to me. What would you say? Put sunscreen on. You guys have you smart kids. These are smart kids. Wear a hat. Uh, or don't lose your hair. God gave you a natural, a natural sunscreen. All right, last one. How to not injure your back or your neck putting furniture together. Because I've done that as well. And somebody else do it. Wow, that's brilliant. Hire someone to do it. Very, very good. I said be careful. That doesn't really work. We've tried that. Use the directions, things men don't like to do typically. Or here's the last one I thought of. Don't be a walker. Don't be a walker and you probably won't get hurt. Dad and I have both injured ourselves putting things up and putting things together. So don't be a walker. Well, quiz is a little bit silly and I'm introducing kind of a serious topic with something light. But the title today is Handle with Care. If you have your Bibles, join me in James chapter 5 verses 12. 
12 is the only verse we're going to look at today. And follow along as I read the Word of God. Listen to what James says. He says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Handle with Care is the title of our lesson today. If you've been with us for most or all of our book study through James, you know that James has been sort of a difficult book to listen to and, and definitely to preach through. Because James brings up some very difficult, tough topics to deal with, things that typically we struggle with. And James has also been very blunt with those topics. He doesn't mince any words. He doesn't pull any punches. He just tells you it straight. Here's what not to do. Here's what to watch out for. And there have been many passages through the book of James that have convicted my heart and caused me to search out my life to see if I'm in step with the Lord Jesus. But I want to take a quick glance through James. We've been in James since the beginning of fall, and here's some of the highlights James has taught us, just so we remember what James has taught us. He said in chapter 1, Count it all joy when you face trials, my brothers. Consider it joy when you face trials. He went on to say at the end of chapter 1, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Don't just listen, but obey. In chapter 2, the classic passage, he says, Faith without works is dead. You can have a faith that is dead, so watch out for that. He said there in chapter 3, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Remember that one, playing with fire? James says, be careful playing with fire, which is the tongue. Then he says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Watch out for worldliness. Watch out for friendship with the world. And last, a couple weeks ago, we looked at this one. You rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. James has been a tough book, hasn't it? It's been a very tough and difficult and blunt book, but it's also been very helpful for our soul. And as we near the end of this book, we discover a technique that a lot of writers use to end their pieces on a strong note. In an effort to make the greatest impact, a writer will often start their piece with the things that are most important, and they'll end their piece with the things that are most important. It's kind of a writing technique. They want to stick into your brain the things that are most important. And so in James 1, James told us to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. And now we're in the last chapter, and James says this phrase. He says, above all, my brothers. Above all, my brothers. Wow. The first thing I thought about when I read this verse is, what's he going to say? Above all, my brothers. Above all, above everything that I've said up to this point, above all, what is James going to tell us that could be possibly beyond what he's already told us? What could be more important than teaching us how to handle trials or how to have an authentic faith that works or how to use our speech properly or how to not become friendly with the world or how to avoid the miseries coming upon the filthy rich? What is it, James? What is the most important thing you want to say to us? He says, above all, my brothers... Do not swear. Isn't that interesting? Above all, brothers, do not swear. What? That's it? That's what you wanted to tell us, James? To not swear? That's the most important thing? Not swearing ranks above everything you have taught us so far? That can't be, James. He must mean something different than what it sounds like he's saying. Those were at least my thoughts when I went to James 5.12. Really, James? Is that really what you mean? See, this little verse kind of stands on its own. It's between James' talk on patience 
And the next time, we're going, to, we're going to look at the topic of prayer. So it's right in between those, kind of sandwiched in between those, patience and prayer, is this verse that kind of stands on its own. And so why does not swearing warrant the phrase above all? Why does not swearing get its own lesson? In fact, if we were honest, swearing seems sort of a small deal to us, right? When all things are considered, kind of a small deal. I mean, as long as we're loving the Lord and we're loving our neighbors, does it really matter if we let some profanity slip from time to time? It's not like swearing makes us lovers of the world or sexually immoral or idolaters. Swearing's just a way we emphasize our speech. So big deal. Big deal, James. And perhaps that's exactly why James uses the phrase, above all my brothers, because he knows we are prone to treat swearing with little to no care at all. And if the phrase, above all my brothers, is not enough to grab our attention, then we have to notice how James ends the verse. He says this, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Are you noticing the weight of this lesson today? Clearly, swearing is a big deal. A much bigger deal than we, you and I assume that it is. And if we've never considered swearing a big deal up until now, then we need to pay attention to what James is going to say today. And we need to listen clearly and carefully. So let's do that. Let's listen very carefully about what is seemingly a very important lesson from the Word of God. Now, I've been a professing Christian since I was five. Five. I'm 41. That's 36 years of being a full-time Christian, professing Christian. And I've been in full-time ministry for going on 13 years. And I'm going to admit today that I hear professing Christians swear pretty frequently. Not every Christian I know swears, but many do. Several do. And it's almost become commonplace in Christian circles to hear the same language patterns that you hear in the world, right? You hear the same language patterns in the church as you do in the world. That's kind of common today. But what does James mean when he says, do not swear? What does he mean? Well, not surprisingly, James is speaking about profanity. Profane language that we use to emphasize something or add exclamation to or seal an oath with. He says, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. I think James is simply stating that there is zero license for us to swear. I mean, if we can't swear by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, then we have no license to swear at all. And if we take James literally today, then all swearing is sinful and prohibited for the Christ follower. Do not swear at all. And this is now three times in the book of James where he has cautioned us on using our speech properly. Remember what he said in, verse, in chapter 1. He said, be quick to hear and slow to speak. Slow down in speaking. Number two, he said, the world, excuse me, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Be careful, playing with fire. And now here in chapter 5, he says to us, above all, do not swear. It's clear that how we use our speech matters. It matters a great deal to God. So we all need to humble ourselves today. We need to admit that we have a problem here. Maybe a problem that no one's really calling a problem. How we use our speech. But what does James have in mind here when he says, do not swear? I want to be very specific today, okay? What swearing? What is he talking about? 
Let's be very specific here. Let's not just paint a broad brush and hope we can all interpret it properly. Let's be very specific today. And I want to start with this, which I believe is the big one. Taking God's name in vain. Or we might use the word blasphemy. Blasphemy, which is taking God's name in vain. We just sang, worthy is the lamb, didn't we? Worthy is the lamb. Taking God's name in vain is quite the opposite. And we find almost immediately when studying scripture that taking God's name in vain is a very, very big sin. It's not a small deal at all. The glory of God's name is the reason that he does everything that he does. If you remember that study on the attributes of God, the number one lesson we looked at was God's name and holiness. The glory of God's name is the reason God does everything. In fact, his name means more to him than you and I do. Did you know that? God's name and reputation means more to him than you and I do. In fact, when there are times that God can't love people and his glory at the same time, you know which one he sides with? His glory. His glory means more to us, more to him than anything. And I want you to think about the children of Israel, okay, back in the Old Testament. Now, even the Lord, we talked about patience. He is long-suffering. He is patient. And the Lord desperately sought the welfare, the eternal welfare of the Israelites. He bent over backwards so these people would be eternally and spiritually healthy. But he also did this. He also let several thousand of them die in the wilderness, because they were not getting on board with his name and his glory. And after much patience and much long-suffering, the two were not happening simultaneously. And God sided with his name and glory, and he let many of his people die. That's a reality. That's in your scripture. You can find that. In fact, in the New Testament, we find out that the entire gospel of Jesus Christ is about the glory of God's name, not primarily about us. It's about the glory of God's name. We are a distant second to the glory and magnific magnification of God's name. Now, without a, God, uh, without a desire to glorify God's name, there's zero reason to redeem sinful people. You would just let them go. You'd let them die. You'd make a new race of people. You'd fix them. You'd, you'd make them holy. And you just let the old ones go. I mean, that's what happens when you get smash up your old phone or your furniture, right? You don't put a lot of money or investment into fixing that thing, a great deal of blood, sweat, and tears, you just go get a new one. That's what God would have done if he didn't care an immense amount about his own glory. But here's what's interesting about the gospel, is saving sinful people brings God the most glory. Because those sinful people, once they're redeemed and once they understand what God has done for them, what do they do? They bring praise and honor and glory to his name. So God, the entire foundation of the gospel is that God would glorify his name by redeeming sinners. That's why you and I are alive today. So when we take God's name in vain, when we use God's name for anything less than to glorify him with, we're now taking the biggest, most pure, most holy name there is, and we're acting like it's a trait thing, like it's no big deal. And it's very dangerous. It's a very, very dangerous thing to do. But I want to be specific again today. What are we even talking about by that? What does it mean to take God's name in vain? Well, we've all heard it and some of us even use it. Things like OMG. Oh my God. Or any other equivalent of that. This is taking the name of God in vain and God hates it. It's swearing and it's the worst kind of swearing. 
No swearing is as bad as turning God's name into profanity. That's the worst kind of swearing. And I hear this a lot in Christian circles. And unfortunately, I hear it sometimes at Wyoming Valley Church. And I'm generally too cowardly to say anything in person. So James is going to do the heavy lifting for us today. and He's going to tell us that it's wrong. It's wrong. Taking God's name in vain is evil. And it has to stop before we fall under condemnation. Because taking God's name in vain is evil. It's the worst kind of evil. And taking the name of Jesus Christ is also despicable in God's eyes. It's worthy of hellfire if it continues. Guys, think about it. Jesus, we just sang it. Worthy is the Lamb. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And one day, every ounce of creation will bow to his honor and to his beauty. And I mentioned this the other day. Jesus is the only religious icon that people use as blasphemy. No one takes Joseph Smith's name in vain or Muhammad or they yell Buddha when they drop something on their toe. But Jesus Christ has taken a name. His name is taken in vain all the time. And God says, I hate it. I hate it. It's worthy of hellfire if it continues. Now, I want us to sit on that for a moment. Taking the name of God in vain is worthy of hellfire. In fact, if we listen to the third commandment from the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, and listen to what it says, we find this almost immediately in the Word of God. He says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Guys, if we are guilty of this today, then we need to repent of all the using of God's name improperly. And I'm going to say immediately. This is as evil as anything there is. God's name is to be precious to us and to be only used when we are seeking to honor him with it. Otherwise, we should take that old adage. Remember that old adage you heard when you were a little child? If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Remember that one? Just keep it zipped if you have nothing good to say. Let's tweak it and let's say it this way. If we can't use God's name with honor and respect, don't use it at all. It is not something to take and to use any way you want to. Or as we're going to say it today, handle it with care. This includes the precious name of Jesus, as we mentioned. The name Jesus and the name Lord, it needs to be precious to us. That not only will we not use his name improperly, but we will stand for that name at all costs. My grandma did that. Uh, my grandma, who's passed on now, I was talking with my mom about this the other day, and my grandma had the chief of police come over to her house because I guess he was friends with uh, my grandma's husband or something like that. And do you remember why he came over? I had something to do with business. Yeah, like, okay. I, uh, yeah, Grandpa Bartling did some business. So, okay, Grandpa Bartling did some business, and the chief of police came over to her house, and he blasphemed the name of the Lord. And my grandma had none of it. She said to him, you will not use that name that way in my house. And if you're going to, I'm going to ask you to leave. My, mom, my, uh, my grandma was a frail little widow, but you would not have known it. She stood up for the name of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just one occasion. My grandma did this on several occasions. 
And that's kind of what we're talking about today, is not only not abusing the name of Jesus Christ, but standing for that name. Standing up for it, coming to bat for it, and possibly, and this is my most controversial statement all day long, okay? Possibly turning off all forms of entertainment that slander the name of our Lord. Because our name, that name is our salvation and our eternal hope. Now, that might sound kind of legalistic. Seriously, it might. Like, really, Todd? I, really, I need to not watch anything that slanders and abuses the name of my Lord? Really? That would be a lot of things. Is that really what you're going to say today? Well, I want you to consider this. Would you and I entertain, us, entertain ourselves with something that abused the name of our spouse? Or our children? Or our parents, whether alive or not? Would we entertain ourselves with the abuse of someone that we love? Or would we turn it off and have nothing to do with it? Kind of like my grandma did that day. You may be able to say it, but not in my house. And this is our Lord that we're talking about today. This is the one who hung on a cross to save us from eternal death. Is there anyone who loves you more than him? Is there anyone more precious to you than Jesus. I want you to listen to what the Matthew Henry commentary says about the misuse of God's name. The reason it's so evil. He says this, he says, because it strikes most directly at the honor of God and most expressly throws contempt upon his name and authority. Because this sin has, of all sins, the least temptation to it. It is not for gain, nor pleasure, nor reputation that can move men to it, but a wantonness in sinning, and a needless showing in enmity to God. He says, thy enemies take thy name in vain. This is proof of men's being enemies to God, however they may pretend to call themselves by his name, or sometimes to compliment him in acts of worship, because it is with most difficulty left off when once men are accustomed to it, and therefore it should be above all things watched against. Matthew Henry gets it from Psalm 139, verse 10. It says, They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Your enemies take your name in vain. I'll say it a third time. Your enemies take your name in vain. So we need to understand today that if our lifestyle is stained with the misuse of God's name, we're in sin. There's no way around it. And if that sin continues, as we'll learn in a little bit, it has the gravest of consequences. The gravest of consequences, unless we repent of it. We can find forgiveness and salvation and restoration just like we can from any sin, but it has to stop. We have to repent and find forgiveness of it today. That's number one. Number two, what swearing is swearing in general, cursing in general, profanity, words that I don't need to tell you, we all know the words. They don't need to be specified. You see, when followers of Christ use profanity in their speech, it's an indicator that we need to be heard. When we swear, when we use profane language, we need to be heard. We need to be made loud and we need to be made clear. That's why we use profanity. When simple words aren't enough to communicate with and we need to emphasize or add exclamations to our words with profane language, we are not humble or meek people anymore. And consider those people in your life who you do consider humble and meek. Maybe there aren't many of those, but consider who those people are. And they're probably most likely...
listen to me. And therefore, profanity is a way to help me do that, to be heard. In fact, I remember the first times I swore as a child. When I was around seven or eight, I used to say the phrase OMG or lengthen it to oh my God. And it was a phrase I picked up from my neighborhood friends. And uh, one day I said it in front of my parents. And they were shocked. And they sat me down and they told me how wrong it was. And I remember the shame of that. Even though I didn't really know at that time, I remember the shame of, of what I had done and the name that I had misused. And then one time later on, a few years later, I swore while telling a joke. I was trying to make people laugh and I cursed. And it sort of shocked everybody because I was a you know, Christian kid and it kind of shocked everybody, but it also made them laugh. Maybe because it was so shocking. And I became kind of the hit of the party that day. I was seen as edgy and funny and it made, it made me feel good, at least for a moment. Now, if I would have told the same joke without the profanity, it wouldn't have had the same effect. That's clear. So profanity actually helped me become popular, at least that day. But you know what? I felt guilty for the rest of that day because of my upbringing. And I vowed to never do it again as a means of getting people to like me or laugh at my jokes. I didn't need profanity. If that's what's going to make me funny, I didn't need it anymore. But see, profanity helps us be heard. One way or the other, profanity helps us to be heard. And as long as it's not excessive... Or we apologize for it by saying things like, well, pardon my French, or excuse my frankness. We feel like it's no big deal at all. And swearing, based on modern media, is kind of seen as cool and tough and edgy, right? I mean, most of the really popular people in Hollywood swear all the time. It's cool, it's tough, it's edgy. But no one is going to feel edgy, cool, and tough if they are shriveling down before God at Judgment Day. Nobody. Swearing number two. Number three, swearing is this. What swearing, James? He says this. Making oaths. Making oaths. See, when people make oaths, very simply, they're seeking to strengthen what they're saying. Saying things like, I swear on my mother's grave. Maybe you've heard that before. I swear on my mother's grave. And all other equivalents of that. And James says that too is evil. That's evil. And we're going to learn out. We're going to learn why in a little bit. But did you know oaths are actually built into our legal system? When someone goes to court and they have to testify on the witness stand, what do they do? Is they put their hand on the Bible and they say, "I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth." So help me God. That's what they say. Oaths are built into our legal system because our words aren't strong enough. That's not enough to just say, yes, I will tell the truth. We need you to swear on something that we consider really important. And the reason we use oaths is because, again, our word isn't strong enough to help people believe us. Simply saying yes or no doesn't seem strong enough. And maybe the reason is, is because we have not kept our word before. And people know that. And therefore, we need to strengthen our yes or strengthen our no with an oath, like I swear or I promise. Otherwise, without an oath, who would believe what we'd say? Do you remember the story when you were little, the boy who cried wolf? Do you guys remember that story, the boy, the boy who cried wolf? That's a story I've heard ever since I was little. It's similar to what we're talking about today. See, in the story, after the boy falsely cried wolf, too many times, nobody came to his rescue when an actual wolf came. 
because he said, come, there's a wolf, and there was no wolf. Come, there's a wolf, and there was no wolf. Come, and there's a wolf, and there was no wolf. I don't remember how many times it was, but after a few times, a wolf actually came, and the boy said, come, quick, there's a wolf, and nobody came to his rescue because he had sullied his word, and no one believed him anymore. So if that story fit in with today's lesson on swearing, and if we were the boy in that story, and we had sullied our word, and no one believed us anymore, we might say something like this, I swear on the Bible there is a wolf here. Hoping that by doing so, somebody would take us seriously. But making oaths is evil. It's sinful, and this is not the first time we're hearing this. This is not out of the blue from James. When Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount, he took an entire paragraph, paragraph, and he dealt with this topic. He said this in Matthew chapter 5. He said, again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. This is the third type of swearing, and James wants us to know today that all swearing is evil and not fitting of the Christ follower. And we have stated before in James that the speech is such a powerful tool that the Lord has given to us. It's a powerful tool. And honestly, sometimes I wonder, why would God give us stewardship over something so powerful and so dangerous? Why? It's so easy to misuse it. And swearing is another another way to misuse your speech. And many of us do it, and many of us don't feel bad that we do it. And James says this, above all, my brothers, do not swear. Above all, brothers, do not swear. Why, James? Why is it so bad? We still haven't answered that question. Why is it so bad to swear? Why is it above all, James? Why? And I wrestled with this question for several weeks. And I think the answer might be right in front of our noses. And the reason swearing is so bad, I believe, is twofold. There's two reasons, okay? Number one is we aren't God. We aren't God, and we don't have authority over heaven over earth, or over anything by which we swear. Think about it. Do you have authority over the things that you swear by? No, you don't. Only God does. When we use profanity to firm up our language, we are taking ownership over something we have zero rights to. And when you and I try to play God, we defame the one true God. God does not want us playing God. God does not want us seeking to usurp his authority. Number two reason is when we trifle with God's name, specifically when we use profanity and when we make oaths, we're acting as if there's nothing holy and nothing sacred. That everything is at our disposal. Everything is for me to use. So we use God's name to swear by? God's name? We use profane words that many people find offensive, especially God, to add emphasis or exclamation to our statements. And we make oaths in order for people to believe what we say. Who do we think we are? Who do we think we are? The Lord is the potter and we are the clay. 
We are creatures. We have zero, no authority to swear by anything ever. That is what James is saying today. We are simple servants of the king. I am a servant of the king of kings. I speak the way he trains me to speak, language that is pleasing to my God's ears. So when James says above all, he might be telling us that when we get this one wrong, we get everything wrong. Everything is topsy-turvy. Everything is upside down when we get this one thing wrong. Because now we're sitting down on the throne of God, acting as if we have supreme control, and we can use anything we want to get what we want out of this life. If we want to be heard, we'll use profanity to be heard. If we want to be believed, we'll use an oath to help people believe us. If we want to add weight to our statements, we will use God's name to do so. This is evil. It's evil. And it happens all the time. And when you and I do that, we act as if we have never, ever been around the Lord because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he is not okay with us playing God. God does not wink when we seek to usurp his authority and act as if we are the sovereign of all creation. We are not. And as I mentioned before, if that wasn't enough to get our attention, James ends this verse by saying, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Wow. Now this lesson is more than I thought it was going to be. This lesson is harder than I thought it was going to be. This lesson is serious. And this is why I'm not uh, putting a lot of cute things in this message. It's just very straightforward and very serious. Does James mean that? Condemnation? Are we really truly flirting with eternal hell when we swear? Is that really what he's saying? Well, to see this truth, I want you to consider the antithesis of someone who swears. The opposite of somebody who swears. Someone who considers God's name to be sacred. Someone who considers God's name to be holy and hallowed. That person has come to terms with their sinfulness, and they know what they deserve based on that sinfulness. They watched the Lord Jesus as he came to the earth and he stooped down and put himself on a cross to secure for them a chance at redemption and forgiveness. And now they are so grateful that he did that. At one time, the righteous wrath of God was coming directly for them. And now because of what God the Father did, because what Jesus did, and because of what the Holy Spirit has done in their soul, they have found an eternal refuge from the storm of God's wrath. The Lord of all creation has become their Savior. So now when they think about the Lord, they remember what the proverb says. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The true Christian has experienced how the name of the Lord brought them into true eternal safety and tucked them away from the storm of God's wrath against their sinfulness. Man, isn't it great to be inside on a day like today? On a stormy day, isn't it nice to be inside on your couch with the blankets and the coffee and the hot chocolate and be tucked away somewhere safe when there's something scary going on outside? That's exactly the mentality we're supposed to get from that verse. The name of the Lord is that safety for us. When there's a storm coming one day called the wrath of God, you and I will be tucked safely away inside the name of the Lord. 
meaning his name has literally become our salvation. And the redeemed, they know this to be true. But what about the person being flippant with the name of God? Someone who could callously use the name of God as profanity. Someone who could sit idly by when God's name is dragged through the mud. Someone who uses the name of God to add weight to their words. Isn't it possible that a person like that has lost touch with everything? And isn't it possible that they aren't anywhere near the refuge of God's name? Why would someone who's tucked away inside the name of God blaspheme that very name? Why would they? And so James says to us today, Christ follower, handle with care. Handle with care. You claim to have been saved and redeemed by that precious name of the Lord. That's what you claim. All of us today, we claim that. Jesus, the very name of Jesus, is my Savior. And if so, never, ever use that name without a great deal of reverence, respect, and even fear. That name is the name of the glory of heaven. That name is the name of which is our ticket into heaven. The name of the Lord should be so precious to us in so many ways that James says, above all, my brothers, do not swear so that you may not fall under condemnation. Guys, this is serious today. And it's difficult. And it's serious. And this, is a, this isn't a small little lesson on just cleaning up our dirty language, okay? This is do not swear or you flirt with hell. God is not joking around with the things that matter the most to him. And nothing matters more to God than how we see and how we use his name. He cares most about the glory and the honor of his holy name. And if you and I are being flippant and trite about the name of God, we are very far away from seeing him properly. And if we can't see the Lord properly, we can't see anything else properly either. If you don't see him properly, everything else is foggy too. C.S. Lewis said this once. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. When you see God properly, you see everything properly. When you see God improperly, you see everything else improperly. So if we can't see God's name properly today, then whether we admit it or not, we are seeing everything improperly. We are very wrong about life. Perhaps going the polar opposite way of what we think we are going. In Proverbs 9, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To start with wisdom, you have to fear the Lord. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and your years will be added to your life. See, the Lord, he wants the very best for us. He does. This is why he tells us these things. He wants the very best for us. He cannot and he will not stand idly by while we misuse the very name that was sent to save us. He won't do it. And if we are swearing as a practice of our lives, we've lost sight of the Lord. We've lost sight of him plain and simple. And losing sight of who God is and what he stands for is going to be tragic. 
We need to get our eyes back on him and remember how holy he is, how awesome he is, how mighty he is, how sovereign he is, and how merciful he is to save us from our sins and the condemnation that follows those sins. But in an effort to end on a positive note today, we need to turn this lesson on its head. And we need to see the way we are to think, to act, and to speak based on what we just learned. When Jesus taught his people how to pray, his disciples how to pray, he said this, the very first thing he said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first thing he said when you pray is pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So instead of swearing, how should we think, how should we act, and how should we speak? And that's what we're going to end on today. Number one, very simply, we should hallow. It means keep sacred, honor, revere, and even fear the name of God. Hallow the name of God. Everything we do should be based on this one truth that God's name is not to trifle with, but to bow to. If we can get our lives to line up with this one truth about the holy name of God, we can get everything else right. Everything's going to fall into place. If we see God properly, everything else will fall into place as well. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Number one is we should hallow the name of God. Number two is we should be, instead of using profanity to add emphasis to our words, let us be people of great meekness and humility. People that don't have to be heard because our best voice is our life. If somebody's not going to listen to us and take us seriously without profanity, like the time I couldn't tell a joke without profanity, so be it. If I can't speak without profanity and take pe people take me seriously, then so be it. We should work on letting our actions speak more loudly than our words. And when it's time to speak, we should speak with the same humility and submission to the Lord as our lives do. The two should be consistent. This is how Jesus lived. And this is what he wants from us as well. And then number three. Instead of making oaths to add strength to our word, why not begin working on keeping our word? Or as James so simply states, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If our yeses and our noes don't have enough strength in them because we have often broken our word, then let's, let's work on fixing that. Let's work on fixing the reputation of our word in people's minds so that when we say yes and when we say no, people believe us. Because we have proven that we back up what we say. Instead of going, I swear, I promise. I know I've sullied my word, but I'm going to start using O's to firm up my word now. No, let's work on fixing our word. Let us learn today that swearing is no small deal to God. James felt it important enough to say, above all, and so that you may not fall under condemnation. So let us pay very close attention to this and change the way we think, change the way we act and speak according to how we see God. Perhaps you've lent something of value to somebody at some moment and you said to them as you did so, please handle with care. 
Because whatever that thing was, it was of value to you. Yes, you could borrow it, but please handle with care. Because this thing is very valuable to me. And that's what James is telling us today. God's name and God's reputation is of supreme value. There is nothing more valuable than the name and the reputation of our God. And God wants us to have access to that name. He wants us to run to that name as an eternal refuge. But we must never, ever let ourselves lose sight of the fact that he alone is God and that we do not have the right to misuse what he has graciously lent to us. So today, let us change our mindset. Let's change our mindset today on swearing. Let's change our mindset on taking God's name in vain. Let's change our mindset on making oaths because the Lord desires much better from us than that. And if you and I will submit to him on this, then we will not fall under condemnation because our lives will live in humble submission, humble honor, and glory to the King and God who is seated on his eternal throne and who is also seated on the throne of our hearts. And guys, if the name of the Lord is not your refuge today, don't step one foot outside of these walls until that's something you take care of. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man run to it and is safe. If the name of the Lord is foreign to you and you don't know that salvation and you don't have that confidence, today is the day, February 7th. Otherwise, stand for the name of the Lord in all areas of your life and in all your speech patterns. And as James reminds us today, handle with care. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the message of the word of God. Father, these aren't things that I would come up with on my own. This is something that you want us to know. And I hope you've been true to your word today. Father, I pray that you'd help all of us, myself included, to be very careful with how we use the name of God. You don't want us to not use the name of God. You want us to use it properly. You want us to handle it with care. You want us close to you. You want us intimate with you. You want us in very close fellowship with you. What you don't want is for us to sully the name that is our very foundation and salvation. Because that means everything. We will get everything wrong if we get this one thing wrong. I pray that we would all think about this and the conviction would turn into new patterns and new habits. Ones that please you because you are worthy as we sang before this lesson started, worthy is the Lamb seated on his throne. We praise you and we give you glory today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.